The Middle East has been in turmoil for as long as anyone can remember, dating back to the time of Isaac and Ishmael. It's never been an easy place. Today, much angst points to the nation of Israel as the world makes unrelenting demands for God's chosen people to trade land for peace. According to Daniel and the last book of the Bible, a charismatic figure will rise and do what no other world leader has been able to do, negotiate peace in the Middle East and secure Israel's safety. It will be a temporary peace before hell unleashes its final fury on God's chosen people. Keep your eye on the eastern sky and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, glad to have you with us. And in just a few moments, Ron takes a close look at the last days through the lens of these days. How might our current world climate relate to the prophecies unveiled in Revelation? Could we see the final days of earth in our lifetime? All this and more comes your way next as Ron continues his series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen anytime on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Revelation chapter 16 and 19, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Armageddon, ISIS, and the Middle East Crisis. All right, what do you do with a title like Armageddon, ISIS, and the Middle East Crisis? It kind of pulls together not only what we're studying in the scriptures, but it's an attempt to understand a little bit of what's going on in our world today. You know, the, the Middle East has been in crisis for as long as anybody can remember. I, I can't remember a time in my lifetime that one of the lead stories in the cycle of news wasn't about something going on in the Middle East. Every president that's come along, every uh, politician, you know, wants to get a group of people to go over to try to strike some kind of a, a peace accord or something to, to bring peace to that part of the world because it, it starts there and then it spills out into other places. We're living in a time where, where terrorism is just sort of the common experience. I mean, that, this summer, it's just been incredible. Just one incident after another, uh, rooted in that part of the world. You ever, you ever wonder why there's such conflict in the Middle East and, and why people can't seem to solve it and, and, and create any lasting peace in that part of the world? I'm going to try to simplify it for all of us this morning. But if you remember two things, you'll have some understanding of why there's conflict in the Middle East. And here are those two things. Ishmael versus Isaac, Sunni versus Shiite. Now, there's a lot behind all of that, but let's talk a little bit about it. You remember in the early chapters of Genesis, we meet a guy named Abraham who grew up in a pagan land called the Ur of Chaldees. That's modern-day Iraq. Abraham was an Iraqi, we might say, and, and he was, he was a, a pagan worshiper. But God called him out of the Ur of Chaldees, and he met the one true and living God. 
And he said, Abraham, I, I know you're wanting to settle down at the age of 75 and settle into a nice cozy retirement there in the Ur of Chaldees, but I got other plans for you. From you, I'm going to make a great nation. Well, he was married to a woman named Sarah. They hadn't had any children. They were childless. They had tried year after year after year, decade after decade, but they couldn't have a child. But God came along and said, Abraham, if you travel with me on a journey to a land which you do not know, I will make a great nation of you. And from you and your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who curse you. And Abraham signed up, and he went on that journey. And he was expecting his wife, even beyond the age of childbearing, to have a child because that's what God promised him. But year after year passed, and 15 years, mark that down, 15 years into the journey, they were still childless. What were you doing 15 years ago? What promise were you hanging on to from God's Word, and it hasn't materialized? Have you got the kind of faith to journey with God for 15 years waiting on him to do what he said he was going to do? Well, Abraham and Sarah grew impatient. And it was customary in that part of the world at that time that if you couldn't have a child with your wife, then, then the handmaid would do. And, and Sarah, in a moment of frustration, just said, hey, take Hagar, my handmaid, and have yourself a child. It was never part of God's plan, any more than polygamy was part of God's plan. But Abraham, in his, his first act of no faith, um, had a child with Hagar, and that child's name was Ishmael. And if you study, you know, the Arab nations, what, what we learn is that the Arab nations came from the line of Ishmael, pretty much. It was another 10 years, 10 more years. Abraham's 99 now. He and his wife still haven't had a child. What were you doing 25 years ago? Have you got the kind of faith that would last for 25 years, heading to a land you do not know, wondering, God, where are you? I know what you promised back here. That's why Abraham is the father of faith. Oh, his faith kind of went up and down. But in the 25th year since they left the Ur of Chaldees, his wife, Sarah, gets pregnant, and she laughs at the whole idea, and they name that promised child Isaac, which means laughter. Yeah, I'd be laughing too. It was just crazy thought, crazy idea, but they followed God by faith for those 25 years. Of course, the nation of Israel came from Isaac. Isaac versus Ishmael, they, they've kind of been in conflict for as long as we can remember. And that's part of what's happening in the Middle East. That's just an ongoing conflict between Isaac and Ishmael. And then there's this Sunni versus Shiite thing. I, I wrote down some notes here because this gets a little bit complicated, but this is within Islam itself. There are Sunnis and there are, there are Shiite Muslims. Eighty to Eighty-five to ninety percent of Muslims are Sunni. That leaves ten to fifteen percent of Muslims are Shiite. You say, well, what are they fighting about? Who the rightful successor to Muhammad is? And some say it's a blood relative. It has to be a blood relative. And they point back to a guy way back to Muhammad's time who was a, who was a cousin and a blood relative of Muhammad. He's the rightful successor to Muhammad. 
Uh, the Sunnis, and Sunni means tradition or custom. They say, no, customarily, it's a, it's a non-blood relative. It was this guy over here who's the rightful successor to Muhammad, and, and uh, he, he was a devout follower of Islam. He's the rightful successor. And they can't agree on this. And so they've been fighting, Sunnis and Shiites, in that part of the world ever since Muhammad died. You know, who's the rightful successor to this? Both Sunnis and Shiites, Islamic, hold to an apocalyptic scenario of the end of days that's rooted in their religion called Islam. Both believe in a Messiah-like figure. They call him the Mahdi. And they believe that the Mahdi will come and be joined by Jesus to rule the earth before the day of judgment. They have their prophetic scenarios and their end-of-day scenarios as well. The Sunnis are waiting for the Mahdi to arrive. The Shiites believe he's already here. You've heard of the 12th Imam or the hidden Imam? You get a lot of that discussion out of Iran, which is a 100% Shiite nation. They're the only nation that is... 100% Shiite, the other one is Bahrain. In Iraq, the majority of people are Shiite, the rest are, are Sunni. And there's this conflict that dates all the way back to the time of Muhammad as to who the rightful successor to Muhammad and this religion are. Therein lies the conflict in the Middle East. Now, Sunnis and Shiites, which are both Muslims, are united in their hatred for Isaac, for Israel and her allies. It's kind of one of those, uh, the, uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend things. They can get together as long as the enemy is Israel and anybody who is an ally of Israel. So Al-Qaeda and ISIS, they are Sunni terrorists. And like all Muslims, they have an apocalyptic view of the end of the days and they have their own scenarios worked out. Why am I giving you all this background? Well, because in one sense, it helps to explain what's happening in the Middle East today and, and what part it plays in Bible prophecy. When you see all of this happening with the Islamic nations, it makes me think of Ezekiel 38 and 39, which prophesies a war that many scholars believe has not been fought on planet Earth, but it's with Russia and her Islamic allies coming against the nation of Israel. I believe that will happen shortly after the rapture and at the, perhaps the beginning of the tribulation period. But when you see this conflict, this, this conflict between Sunni and Shiite, between Isaac and Ishmael, and when you see the Islamic nations be, beginning to form allies, you know, it, it just reminds you of Ezekiel 38 and 39 because as the end of the age comes, uh, the enemies of Isaac will form against her. Even what's happened in Turkey recently, the failed coup attempt, Turkey has always been a, a fairly uh, liberal to moderate Muslim country. I, I was in Istanbul several years ago, spent three or four days there, and things were, you know, pretty reasonable. There were mosques everywhere. You'd never see a cross, but they're, they're relatively moderate when it comes to their Islamic leanings. That changed about a month ago. Uh, that failed coup attempt well, uh, now it's falling into the hands of more extreme uh, Muslim leaders. And it doesn't surprise me because Turkey has been a major, major player in Bible times and will be a major player at the end of the age, and they will uh, also form the alliance of Islamic allies with Russia 
that wage war against Israel. You just watch Turkey in the days ahead, and you watch this Sunni and, and Shiite conflict that's going on. And it spills over into the United States of America because, again, they hate anybody who is an ally of Israel. And it gets back to the two conflicts uh, that I mentioned earlier. There's still more to come from Dr. Ron Jones, so stay right here. Listen to Ron's messages on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, be sure to check out Starting Point, a Disciples First Steps, a free online discipleship coaching experience created by Dr. Ron Jones. Look for Something Good Courses when you visit our new streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org. That's Starting Point, a Disciples First Steps, where you'll discover what it means to be a disciple and learn how to train others to be true followers of Christ. The most credible proof of the Bible's divine origin is not the stories it tells, but rather the prophecies that have already been fulfilled. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Armageddon, ISIS, and the Middle East crisis. Now, to say all of that, why do we believe the Bible's end-time scenarios are more trustworthy than, say, for instance, the Koran's? Because every major world religion has prophecies. And even the Koran has their end-time scenarios. Why, why, do we, why do we hold the Bibles up as trustworthy and, and, and not look at the Koran and say, well, maybe this, this Mahdi that they're looking for is, is the true Messiah that's coming back? Mark Hitchcock, who's a, a very good writer when it comes to matters of Bible prophecy and, and these types of things, written a wonderful book called ISIS, Iran, Israel, and the End of Days. And he addresses this very question. And I think it's important for us to kind of nail this down as we think this through a bit. He says in here, the, the, the Bible is a book of prophecy. We all know that, but listen to this. It contains about a thousand prophecies, about 500 of which have already been fulfilled down to the minutest of detail. He says, with this kind of proven track record, we can believe with confidence that the remaining 500 yet-to-be-fulfilled prophecies will also come to pass at the appointed time. He says, someone once commendably said, we don't believe in prophecy because it's contained in the Bible, but we believe in the Bible because it contains prophecy. He says, prophecy is the most credible proof of the uniqueness and divine inspiration of the Bible. I run into people from time to time and say, oh, pastor, all that prophecy stuff. I'm a pan-millennialist. It'll all pan out in the end. I don't worry about all that stuff. Well, you're missing out on a whole lot in the Bible. Do the hard work of you know, kind of piece this together and figure it all out because fulfilled prophecy is one of God's strongest evidences that, that this is a a divinely inspired book. God sets a standard for himself that any of his prophets, a prophet of God, you want to know whether that's a true prophet of God or a false, 100% accuracy. That's the Lord's own standard. Hitchcock goes on to say about 110 prophecies were fulfilled in the life and ministry of Jesus alone, and 33 of them, very specific and distinct, were fulfilled during the final 24 hours of Jesus' life on earth. Did you know that? And we're not talking about, you know, some vague horoscope kind of, you're going to have a good day today prophecy. We're talking about very specific things. 
He says, fulfilled prophecy validates the Bible and all the precious truths it contains. Now you say, well, well, can't the Quran make the same argument? Can't other religions of the world make the same argument? No, they really can't. He says, Islam makes no real claim that the Quran has foretold events that have come to pass. It lays out an elaborate end-time scenario but provides no objective basis for believing that it will come to fruition. One must take it solely on faith. The Bible, on the other hand, gives overwhelming, credible evidence that its prophecies come true and therefore provides a solid basis for our confidence that its prognostications about the future will also come to pass. He says the Bible has a proven track record we can put to the test. And he's right about that. So with that in mind, let's turn back to the pages of the trustworthy Scriptures in Revelation chapter 16. John opens up this chapter by saying that he heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. Remember, uh, this, this seven-year tribulation period is characterized by 21 specific judgments that fall upon the earth. And those are categorized or grouped together into three uh, groupings of seven, the seven seal judgments, the seven trumpet judgments. We believe those happen in the first half of the three-and-a-half-year tribulation period. And then come the seven bowl judgments. This is, this is probably happening in the latter half of the tribulation period, the last three-and-a-half years. This is the time period where Jesus said, the world has never seen tribulation like this. And except for the Son of Man coming and shortening these days, humankind would not survive. And one by one, John goes through these seven bowls. Let's go through them quickly uh, at, a, at a pretty good pace and just summarize a few things. Uh, verse 2, he says, So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. By this time in the seven-year tribulation period, the abomination that causes desolation has taken place. Uh, the Antichrist has set himself up for worship. He, he has destroyed the false prophet and the false religion and made himself the sole object of worship in the world. He's tied the economy into this. Remember the 666 economy? And nobody can buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Well, as all this begins to happen, this this bowl of wrath is poured out upon the earth and painful sores, skin diseases and other things begin to inflict those who have bowed down and worshiped the beast and have taken the mark of the beast. Oftentimes painful sores like this and skin diseases are outward signs of an inward corruption in that person or in that people group. Even Moses talked in Deuteronomy chapter 28 about a time coming when the boils of Egypt will inflict the inhabitants of the earth, and many scholars believe that that prophecy has not yet come true and is, is future even to uh, Revelation chapter 16. John goes on to say, the second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing died that was in the sea. And the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of waters, and they became blood. Uh, earlier, 
in the book of Revelation and with the seal trumpets or the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments, we, we had uh, water sources turning to blood, but it might have been a fourth of the earth or a third of the earth or some portion of the earth. And now every source of water on earth has turned to blood, reminiscent of the plagues of Egypt. But can you imagine the environmental disaster here and people looking for a drop of water because uh, the, the supply is, is ruined. All the marine life now, not just a third, not just a half, now the the remaining marine life in the oceans is dead. Uh, just unspeakable environmental disaster and tragedy here. And why is this happening? Verse 5, and I heard the angel in charge of the waters saying, just are you, O holy one, who is and who was for you, brought these judgments, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, it is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, yes, Lord, God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Uh, this is in response to the, the blood of the martyrs. And remember, a lot of people who come to faith in Jesus Christ during the tribulation period, uh, their blood will be shed. And they are seen earlier in the book of Revelation under the altar of God, crying out in prayer to God, when will you avenge our lives? This is the time he avenges them. And the angel says, just and true are your judgments, O Lord. You're listening to Something Good Radio. Today's message, Armageddon, ISIS, and the Middle East crisis, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. Check out our resource tab at the top of the homepage for books, teaching series, lots of great tools to help you in your journey with Jesus. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Have you ever wanted to visit the land of the Bible and walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Join Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones and the Something Good Radio team for a thrilling Israel tour happening in January 2022. Experience a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Walk down the Via Dolorosa. Visit Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and Calvary where he shed his blood for you. Step inside the empty tomb and see for yourself that your Savior is risen indeed. Is the Holy Land on your bucket list? Experience Israel 2022. Register at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Time is running out to register for Experience Israel 2022. When you visit somethinggoodradio.org, look for Something Good Travel to learn more and register today. Need prayer today? Stop by the new somethinggoodradio.org and share your request with us. Click on Explore and then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You option. That's somethinggoodradio.org. We also want to say thank you because your prayers and financial support make it possible for Ron to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your donations do make a difference. And when you give a gift this month, Ron will say thank you by sending you the complete audio download of this series you're hearing now, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. That's Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. Request it today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. 
You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. In one sense, Armageddon is a, a final conflict. In another sense, it's a campaign of wars that really starts at the beginning of the tribulation period. Because remember the four horsemen of the apocalypse? The first four seals that are unopened in heaven are seen as four horsemen that ride out. The second one, the red horseman, he's red because he's a war horse, and he sheds blood on this earth. There's been war going on all throughout the tribulation period. It gets worse and worse as we get closer and closer to the end of the age. And finally, the great armies of the world, including China and, and Russia and the Islamic uh, allies come together and, and they gather in Harmageddon. They gather in the Valley of Jezreel for the final conflict, fighting against the Lamb of God, fighting against Israel, whom he loves. And the only thing that prevents that war from annihilating all of humanity is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Join us tomorrow for Something Good when Dr. Ron Jones shares part two of his message, Armageddon, ISIS, and the Middle East Crisis. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying so long and thanks for listening.